Thank you, Brother Sutherland. I was thinking on the way here for the first time that I, at least in my recollection of meeting Brother Sutherland, I was here one night in the camp meeting many years ago and the Concord Baptist Church Youth Choir were singing. And uh, Brother Randy gave such a testimony. And uh, I remember going home and telling my wife, I said, I don't know who that young man in that youth choir was. But I said, there's two things for sure I know about him. Number one, he sure is happy to be saved. And number two, he wants everybody to know how happy he is. And so uh, I appreciate Brother Sutherland so much and what God is doing here in the camp. And I agree with him how Brother Allen worked and slaved and begged and everything to have this camp. And seems like every time you come, that there's something new been done. So I appreciate the leadership that God has put in this man, the ability of it to do what he's able to do. And my what preaching we have heard. Two things stand out in my mind vividly. Number one is inspiration. And number two, instruction. Or we have sat at the feet of some men, if we'll just listen to them, how they will help us in our life for the Lord Jesus. Years ago, I was at a camp meeting and Brother Robert Smith, missionary to Brazil, had been asked to come and preach. And there had been preaching going on like there has been up until now. And Brother Smith looked out over the congregation and he said this. He said, I feel like a cricket after a thunderstorm. That's about the way I feel. Thank you, gentlemen, for blessing my heart with your knowledge of the word and your desire to please God in your lives. So we'll look at Ephesians 6, just one verse. Ephesians 6, if you will turn there, and I want to say, even before I read my text, that I'm probably as unqualified as any man here to preach on this text. But I seriously believe with all my heart the Lord would have me do so. I'm going to read verse 18 and then we will pray. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. If you'll notice, verse 18 is right in the middle of a sentence. I 
was making some notes on prayer. Our pastor had asked me to preach on a Wednesday night, and I preached on the subject of prayer. And I just began making notes. And those notes developed into a 98-page book. It's not published yet. I asked Brother Jeff Plemons, pastor at Calvary Baptist in Kingston, Tennessee, if he would write the forward to it. And his opening words were these. If you were asked to define your prayer life, how would you define it? Then he put about seven or eight different possible answers and I began to think about that and how that it challenged my heart in a, a great way. When Brother Leonard Ferguson, who was my pastor at the time I announced my call into the ministry, was invited back to the church to preach the charge, he preached on this charge which is so familiar at ordination services, preach the word. And so if I am to preach the word, I must know what the word is. So I love to study. Amen. You can get a double amen from that from my wife. But anyhow, that's just my life. I love to study words. I love to study Passages. I not only love to study the Bible, but I love to study about the Bible. It's, I don't know, it just blesses me to have this great privilege. I've heard so many things said about prayer. For example, I heard this one man say that if you ask the Lord for something more than one time, it means that you didn't have faith to ask him. You should ask him one time and that should be sufficient. And I began to think, is that really right? Now that may sound right to some people, would depend of course on their attitude toward prayer. And I thought, is that right? And then I was blessed when I read about our Lord's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. He took the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, a distance with him, left them when a stone's cast and began to pray. Came back and found them asleep. He went the second time to pray. Came back and found them asleep again. But he went the third time, and Matthew tells us this, praying the same words. So it's all right to pray more than one time for anything. And we hear so many things about prayer, and it's such a vast subject. I don't know that I even began to know what it is. And that's why I said I feel so inadequate to, for, to preach this sermon, but I'm confident that the Lord has touched my heart with it. If you will notice in our text verse, Ephesians 6 and verse 18, there are four alls in this verse. Just like there are four alls in the Great Commission, or as Brother Sammy Allen called it, the Great Commandment. 
There it was all power. It was all nations. It was all things. Whatsoever I've said unto you, and then the promise that he would be with them always. Now look with me here in our verse, please, where he says, praying always. And I stopped to look at that and I label that continuation in prayer. And that, in, that means our involvement. We had an evangelist come to our church years ago and he said, I was going to preach a series in a church and the Lord had placed upon my heart to preach on prayer. So I told my wife, go in my library and get all the books I have on prayer and bundle them up. I'm going to the meeting a few days early. I'm going to read all the books and preach that week on prayer. And he said, the first book I opened and the first thing I read was this. The author said, the best thing about prayer is do it. So he said, I fell on my knees and began to practice what the author had said. It implies our involvement. And then prayer takes time and effort. I guess that's one of the reasons there's so little of it done in our lives at times. It takes time. And one of the excuses, I guess, that Satan gets into our hearts and minds is that all the things you've got to do and you're so busy. May I say the Lord Jesus, no one was ever busier than him. And the Bible said that he rose up a great while before day and he went to prayer. And he went out and prayed on a mountain and continued all night in prayer. I, I don't know of anything any more essential in my life as a Christian than this matter of prayer. And I don't know, I want to say again, I don't know a whole lot about it. But if I could define my, all I know about prayer in one sentence, it would be this. Prayer works. I don't understand why. I don't understand how. But I assure you, it does work. Not long ago, I was in prayer about something and uh, God had answered that prayer in a couple of hours and I rose up and was rejoicing a couple of days later. My wife came to the house rejoicing and she said, God has answered two prayers for me already this morning. I had some things I needed to do, but I knew I could not get them done the way they were and God has arranged things so that it worked out that I could. I don't understand, but there's never any time lost in prayer. There's nothing I feel any more important than this great thing of prayer in our lives. And may God help me not only to preach to you, but to preach to myself about this all essential matter of prayer. Then the second time we see all prayer, I label that concentration in prayer. This implies our insistence as we pray before the Lord. Remember Hannah 
And the Bible said she didn't speak, but her lips just moved. But may I say, God's not as much interested in what comes out of here as he is in what comes out of here. It is the prayer of the heart that God hears, and we know that. If thou shalt confess in thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So this thing of salvation rises out of our heart unto God. And this thing of prayer must come out of our heart unto God. Then we think about the Syrophoenician woman who was a Greek, who was a Gentile. She heard Jesus being close by, went to him and said, Lord, thou son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter's grievously vexed with the devil. And Jesus didn't even answer her. And the disciples said, Lord, send her away. She crieth after us. Oh, God, help us at times to cry unto him. He will hear when we cry unto the Lord. And so then she said again, Lord, help me. Help me. And, and the Lord said, it's not meat to take the bread and cast it to the dogs. How would you like an answer like that? And actually, of course, the Jews looked at Gentiles as dogs. And so the Lord wasn't being disrespectful. And so he said, uh, but it's not, it's not meat to take the bread of the children and cast it to the dogs. And she said, true. But said, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall uh, from the children. And boy, I'm telling you, that's reaching out, isn't it? Amen. Lord, all I need from you is a crumb. I'm not asking you for a, a T-bone steak dinner. Just give me a crumb. Lord, you've got so much. All I need is a crumb. God heard her prayer. And he said, go thy way. Thy daughter's well. And so when she arrived home, she found out that it was so. And then she didn't give up. And Paul, oh, what a prayer warrior this man was. Every church he uh, wrote to, every individual he wrote to, he spoke about this matter of prayer. And so he had a thorn, he called it. Actually, he said it was a messenger of Satan that God had sent, is that right? To buffet him. And so he said, Thrice, three times I went to the Lord. I begged God to take that thorn away. Have you ever had something like that? You've just prayed and prayed. Don't you have things right now you've prayed for for years and they still haven't taken place? But isn't it true that he's answered enough of our prayers to make us just keep praying on and believing on that he's going to answer in his good time and the way that it will be for our good and that will bring honor to him. I'm probably going to get a little ahead of myself, uh, but uh, I read 
And I do stand to be corrected because I read this, that George Mueller prayed for his brother to be saved for 50 years. And George Mueller died without seeing his brother saved. But he did get saved before he died. And so I'm telling you, I don't know why God doesn't answer prayer. Sometimes it just seems so right and so real, but for one reason or another, God may not answer it. But that does not mean you don't have faith. Faith is in the matter that you keep on asking because you know he's the only one that can meet that need and help us in our desperate times. Then look at the third one. And the third one, we see all perseverance. And that I wrote out beside that consecration in prayer. That implies our intensity. When Peter was taken by Herod and imprisoned, the Bible said that prayer was made without ceasing of the church for him. They kept praying. God sent an angel and delivered Peter out of prison. And I don't know, I remember hearing the testimony of Donnie Burns, Brother Donnie Burns, and he said that he was in prison, I believe on death row. Isn't that right? He uh, was, I'm sure that's right. And that he was to die for something he had done. But he got saved in prison. And so somehow, through the mercy and grace of God, he got delivered. And I think God still delivers. But I think about that prison of sin that so many thousands and millions of people that are in. And God's people have prayed. You're looking at somebody today that would have been in prison had he even been alive, had it not been for praying grandmothers and a praying mother and a praying daddy. Thank God for people who pray. Uh, listen, every one of us are where we are today undoubtedly because somebody prayed. I remember listening to Brother Young as he was preaching and talking about his dad. I sat down one day and I had a long conversation with Dr. Young and I believe everything he said about him because I still remember the things that Brother Young had in his heart. His heart was to reach people with the gospel for the cause of Christ. And every one of us are what we owe to prayer and how it's played its role in our life and getting us where we are presently. And then remember Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, men ought to always to pray and not to faint. And by the way, is that not what that woman was doing to that unjust judge? She just kept going and did she not and keep going and going and that unjust judge, amen, he wasn't right with God. He didn't fear God, but he said, I'm going to have to do something about this. This woman's worrying me to death. And Jesus gave that as an example of our prayer life that we may pray. Then look for flame for all saints 
And I label that our consideration in prayer. This implies our interest in others. Do we pray for our brother and sister whom we disagree with? Now, I'm not talking about false doctrine. I'm just talking about there's a lot of disagreement among independent Baptist preachers, good men, godly men that walk with God. They don't see everything eye to eye. So what are we going to do? We're going to pray for them. Is that not what the Lord said to do? And then what about those who have an ought against us? Are we not to pray for them? Hey, prayer is, is just a key element in our life. We must be involved in it. How about those who've been caught up in sin? He said, <coughs> pray for all. Are there not saints who have been caught up in sin? Well, sure there are. Because we're a saint does not mean that we are exempt from getting caught up in sin, that we are even exempt of getting entangled in the affairs of this life. When we see a brother, what do we do? Do we push him down or do we pray for him? God help him. In fact, 1 John chapter 5, if we see a brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall pray. We shall ask God to help that man. So that every direction we look, there is something undoubtedly that needs prayer. And what about those who are not exactly of our stripe? Do we pray about them? And again, I'm not talking about this off of the wall stuff and generic churches. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there, there are good people that do not see everything that we see eye to eye. And I'm going to make a statement here. Please don't blackball me. But I wonder when we get to heaven if some of us are not going to learn we didn't have everything exactly right. God help us. Amen. But we can pray. Amen. We can pray for ourselves. We can pray for others. Has a brother or a sister hurt you? Then what are we supposed to do? Get Tell everybody how terribly we've been treated? No, we tell the Lord. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And you know what I believe? I don't think God wants us trying to do his business. He's got some things that he does. He doesn't want us doing that. He wants us serving him, laboring for him. But every one of us in here that's been in the Lord's work any length of time whatsoever knows something about getting hurt. Every one of us do. And I'm sorry, I don't have any good news for you. We're going to get hurt again. So we just might as well get accustomed to that. Amen. And just pray for them and go on. We are to pray for our enemies. And then Jesus said, even those that despitefully use you, we're to pray for them. I suppose things that hurt us worse than anything else is for somebody to use us, to get where they want to get or get what they want to get. There is an ulterior motive behind their friendliness, behind their flattery, behind their finances, <laughs> whatever you want to say. 
There's, there's an ulterior motive behind it. But what did Jesus say to do? He said to pray for them. That's not easy. Hey, by the way, the Lord doesn't always ask us to do easy things. Some of the things he asks us to do are very hard. It's hard to forgive people who have hurt you maliciously and on purpose. That's hard to do, but we can do it and we are to do it. In fact, if we don't do it, God's not going to hear our prayers according to our Lord. Very, very important. Very, very important that we do. May the Lord help us. We're demanded to pray for such people. Now, let us view our text verse in another manner. The call to prayer. Praying always. You know, we ought to go in an attitude of prayer. You can stay in an attitude of prayer no matter where you are or no matter what you're doing. And that's one thing you can do. You don't have to say words to pray. It's good to, but you don't have to. There are some places you get in sometimes that you shouldn't be speaking. But we can pray, and we can go in an attitude of prayer. I wondered how it was that Paul wrote this, pray without ceasing. How can you pray without ceasing? Well, you can if you go in that attitude of prayer. Everywhere we go, everything that happens to us, we ought to sense the presence of God with us and stay in that fellowship and that relationship that we can recognize him in everything that we do. The other, the other day, I, was, I almost wrecked a car. Came completely half of it over into my lane. And of course, I didn't have time to blow the horn or anything. But I had time to say, Lord, help me. And you know what? The guy evidently woke up or whatever he was doing and he whipped it back over. And I didn't say, boy, I'm a good driver. You know what I said? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You can stay in an attitude of prayer at all times. And so here it is, praying always. Amen. It can be done. And then notice number two, the con content of prayer. Prayer, supplication, watching therein too. Now, if you'll look with me, please. What did Jesus say? Ask and you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened to you. Look at this. Prayer, that's asking. Supplication, that's seeking. Knocking, that's watching thereunto. My Bible teacher, Dr. Carpenter, told us this one day in class. He said, nobody has prayed until they've asked. Then he just looked around, and we all looked around. We were stunned. And then he said this. He said, ask, A, seek, S, knock, K. So he said, nobody's prayed until they've asked. So I guess that's, I guess that's pretty good, okay? And then notice, thirdly, is the constancy in prayer. He said, with all perseverance, evening 
and morning and at noon will I pray. Psalm 55. I was reading through that little eight book set of prayer written by E.M. Bounds. And E.M. Bounds tells a story in there about two men. One was named Lambeth and one Wainwright. And he said these men had a fine mission, a large mission in Osaka, Japan. And said one night that the higher-ups, I believe that was his words, in the town came and told these two men, you cannot have your meetings anymore. It's got to stop. And so he said they begged and pleaded and tried to talk to their superiors, but he said they would not budge. You cannot have your meetings anymore. So he said these two preachers went back to the place they were lodging and told the cook, said, call us at supper time. And said they went up and started praying. And they just continued to pray. And after a while, the cook sent a young lady up there, young Japanese girl up there to tell them that supper was ready to come on. And the story goes that when the young girl got to the door that she fell under that same burden of prayer that these preachers had, she began to pray. And said after a while, the cook began to wonder why they haven't come. And she left her cooking and went to check and said she fell under that burden of prayer. And they prayed on till time for the meeting. Went and started the meeting and said God showed up. And two of the town's men's sons got saved and said the townsmen that told them they could not have their meeting anymore came to visit them the next morning and said you can go on with your meetings you won't be disturbed anymore and said the next morning the Osaka daily newspaper came out in boxcar letters the Christian's God came to town last night and preacher, when I read that, I said, oh, God, that you'd come to our town. Oh, that you'd come to your town, our town, and manifest himself in such a way as he did then. Hey, we're not, as you've already heard these great men preach this morning, may I say, we're not serving the God of yesteryear. We're serving the God of today. And the same God that made the provisions and the promises and the produce then, he can do the same thing now. He hasn't lost any power. I heard a preacher say this one time. He said, I heard someone say the other day, what, what America needs is another Elijah that can reach up and pull fire down out of heaven. He said, but I say this, 
What America needs is a man whom God can trust as he did Elijah to reach into heaven and pull the fire down. God hasn't lost anything. Oh, may we realize that. Constancy in prayer. Then look at the cause for prayer. Saints. And then Paul follows in verse 19 with a door of utterance. And how we, as we sit in the congregation, you know, if I'm in a meeting and just, I don't want to use this term, kid, so I say just a young preacher is preaching, I do my best to listen. When our pastor came to our church, I think I flabbergasted our congregation. He let me preach on a Wednesday night. He hadn't been there long. And I said, let me tell you something. I said, I'm old enough to be our pastor's grandfather. I had been preaching 10 years when he was born. And I said, if I can submit to him, so can you. And how we need to pray when our preacher's in that pulpit for a door of utterance. But God will give him clarity of thought, words of wisdom, and he'll open the hearts of the listeners that they will hear. It doesn't matter who it is. doesn't matter where they are. God's man is going to have something from God. And we think about all of the <coughs> men that are preaching the gospel. And I know there's a lot of hirelings out there. I realize that. And I know there's a lot of people that may not be doctorally sound, but I'm going to tell you something. The Lord has still got his men. We've heard them in this meeting and we'll continue to hear them in this meeting. I've never been to this meeting. I've been coming since the 90s, I think. And I, I have never been to this meeting that God did not have his men up here preaching. Amen. Hey, God's not going out of business, gentlemen. Amen. And his business is not dependent upon me. He was doing well before I came along and he'll do well after I'm gone. I'm just thrilled to death that he let me have a little part of what he's doing in the world and how we need to pray for one another and hold one another up that God will give them a door of utterance. And I'm sure Brother Sutherland knows who I'm speaking of, but there's a missionary. He attended our Bible Institute and his dad told him, he said, if you'll go to a Bible college I'll pay you away. And he came to me. I said, well, by all means, go. We got a Bible institute. We don't have a Bible college. And so he went. And now he's on the mission field. And we just got a, a letter from him not long ago. And he said they were canvassing South Korea with 250,000 means of outreach to those people. You know what I've been doing? I've been praying. Because you know what my responsible responsibility is and yours? To take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But I'm confident that I'm in the will of God where I am. But I still have that 
commission upon me as you have it. And listen, if you don't have money, you got prayer. Amen. And every missionary letter we ever received, they thanked us for the, our prayers and asked us to keep praying. And how many missionaries had we by our church that said the greatest need we have is prayer? Prayer is powerful. Not because of our praying, but unto thee. One prayers made unto who answers and meets our needs. We could go on and on and on. But I want to say this, lest I be misunderstood. Even though I lack a great deal of knowledge about prayer, because you hear so much about it. For example, one man said, that you ought to pray before you do anything else. I read where another man said, after your day is over and done, then spend your time in prayer. Both these are good men. But even though I lack a great deal of knowledge in prayer, I still endeavor to maintain a systematic prayer life. God bless you. Amen. I'd say we need to pray this morning again. I know we've had an altar call.